Uh, we're just going to have to play our style of basketball. You know, we want to be as active as possible, run as much as we can, and, and really, you know, push it at them. And I think that, you know, playing at their uh, home court is going to be is going to be tough for us, but staying in the moment and, and pushing through uh, and playing like we have the second half of the season. Hello, and welcome to our second podcast. This is your co-host, Joe. And over there, we have... Jeff Brown. As enthusiastic as he is. As always. All right, let's get down to business. We have a lot to cover today. We're going to recap the last four games of the regular season for the Seattle Storm. Talk about the playoffs playoffs oh yeah recapping three games against our matchup which is atlanta i myself will talk about the experience as a storm season ticket holder for the very first time what jeff and i liked about the team and what we would like to see improve and also the rewards that we will be debating mvp rookie of the year most improved player and coach of the year there's going to be a lot to discuss today, so I hope you are ready. So yeah, as Joe was talking about, we left off in the last podcast. Uh, the Seattle Storm were on a very important, critical four-game road trip. They had just played New York the last time we talked to you guys. Which was an impressive victory at the Madison Square Garden. Yes, it was. Very impressive. They dominated New York in that game, 102-78. to uh, but what was really important was that very next game, which was Friday, September 9th, against Washington. At the time, Washington was the ninth seed, and Seattle was the seventh seed. But a win by Washington would have actually flipped the script there, mm-hmm. and Seattle would have been the ninth seed, and at least at that moment, out of the playoffs. Fortunately, Seattle came up with a huge victory. They won that game 81-76. to uh, both Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart led the way, each with 17 points. Stewart also had 10 rebounds, and Bird had 9 assists in that game. That game was very much like a playoff game. Uh, you know, I was watching that game on and WNBA Access, and I was just glued to the screen there because it was back and forth, and Seattle was able to come through big in the fourth quarter and win that one, and that was huge. Yeah, I mean, going to that game... We were having a great momentum going on. After we came back from the Olympics, it was like we just could not slow down this momentum. We just could not screw it up. Seattle came to Washington, took care of business. It was a close game, but a win is a win. And the next game, and it was the other game that we were predicting, we thought Los Angeles was going to come out and go out for blood. Didn't turn out that way because they rested some of their key starters we're back at the key arena. We had another impressive victory by 18 points, 78 to 60. Brianna Stewart with 20 points. Crystal Langhorn with 10 rebounds. She has definitely stepped up this season from yeah. the last season. That was her second double-double of the season. And, of course, Sue Bird, as usual, leads the team with seven assists as she continues her successful season. So after winning that game against Los Angeles, 78-60, fortunately I got to be on press row for that one, so I got some interviews for you guys to listen to, and here is Sue Bird. 
after two years of us in the playoffs, how satisfying is to say? Um, very. You know, it feels good. Uh, you can feel it in the locker room already. There's a little bit of a buzz. Um, you know, it's not easy at times to make the playoffs in this league, and, and for a while, myself, um, and I think our franchise even took it for granted because that was the expectation. So to, to not get in there the last couple of years and to finally you know, get back was really good. What's been working so well for you guys on this winning streak and since then? Um, I think, well, first and foremost, I think the team you know, did a tremendous job in the break of just getting better. You know, the minute we came back, you could see the difference. So that's that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I think is we we really just understood what our strengths are, you know, where they lie, and how we can maximize them. And we're just trying to play to that level every night. You know, that combined with everyone getting better, and then we seem to just have this resiliency right now, where even when teams go on runs, it doesn't phase us. You know, even when we're down, it doesn't phase us. We just kind of stay the course and, and try to turn it around. It's been working out. Is any of that like the sort of thing you saw coming in the first part of the season, or has it been kind of a surprise? No, it's, it's, I mean, I wouldn't say a surprise. I think it was always, like, the thought. I think there was always this thought, yeah, this could happen. It could be this way. Um, and we saw glimpses of it in the first half, and, you know, luckily that Olympic break happened, and, and you know, for some teams, it can hurt you. For us, it was really beneficial. Were you scoreboard watching beforehand? Did you know it was a win in your end? Um, Kind of, but not, I, I really wasn't thinking about it that much. You know, I, somebody had mentioned it, but I didn't know for sure. And honestly, when it gets to the end, it's so confusing anyways. <laughs> I, I don't even deal. I don't even try to. Um, but then they announced it. I, I heard that. Like, what was it? Like, fourth quarter? Third, fourth quarter, they announced it with a storm when we made playoffs. So at that point, I knew for sure. So you've been to the pinnacle. You've yeah. won it all twice. Right. What can you share with some of these younger players, Jules, Stewie, some that haven't been in the playoffs? Um, just that, you know, making it is great, but once you get there, it's a whole other ball game. Um, the, the intensity goes up, you know, times 10, and, you know, teams, you know, during the regular season, it's, you're on road trips, and it's your, you know, for us, six, six game in 12 days, or, you know, there's all these different things happening in the regular season, but when teams get in the playoffs, you just have to focus on one team, one game, you see a, an entirely different beast out there, you know, and it, it, it really is different. And then with the change in format to the single elimination, you yeah, guys are probably yeah. going to have to play on the road. Right. Um, you know, how much is that going to be different for you? Because obviously you've always had, you know, series where yeah, you get to play. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think, um, listen, if this were a, a normal year and, and, and we were in the, four, I mean, I don't know how it would have started. I don't know how, if it would have shaked out. But let's just say, for argument's sake, we finished fourth and we had to play against Minnesota in a three-game series. I mean, that would be hard, let's be honest. You know, they're, they're at the top for a reason. Um, one of the, we would have to win a game at their place and they like never lose there. So, you know, the idea of just having one game against a team that's really, I mean, we all virtually in the bottom have the same record, give or take a few. So it's kind of exciting. And then once you move on, you tend to gain confidence. So even though it's just one game, if you move on, who knows what could happen. And I'm sure everyone's saying this, not just our locker room. I'm sure everyone's like, hey, we're in there now. Anything can happen. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of, there's a little bit more motivation there. And the game out there today, I, mean, I think you guys held it at 27 in the first half. And yeah. defensively on that, I think we just have, uh, like I said, we just kind of have this awareness of who we are right now. We're just trying to play to that every every time we step on the court. And that's really the bottom line. And today we were able to execute it. And for us, when we can get stops on defense and we can run, that is extremely beneficial. Because we have, I mean, we have a lot of youth, a lot of athleticism. 
So we can get out and run. It's good for everyone. And fortunately, we, we kind of made some jokes and stuff about the uh, the blooper reel in the first podcast. We ended up kind of having a, a little blooper reel uh, back in the locker room, uh, me and uh, Brianna Stewart, because I started interviewing her and then unfortunately found out that Jewel Lloyd was on her way out. And so I wanted to get an interview with Jewel as well. And so I kind of, I mean, it was sort of rude, but, it, you know, it wasn't intentional on my part that... Uh, <laughs> that I was like, hey, Stewie, can I, can I come back to you? Because I was interviewing her, and, uh, and then I had to go and interview Jewel before she left and then came back to Stewie. But it was kind of funny, and you can hear the, the two parts to that interview here. So uh, when you got drafted on the conference call, I know people were talking about, like, hey, you know, you're coming to a team that's obviously struggled. You know, you get ready for a lot of losses. How rewarding is it for you to know that you've helped, you know, a big part of you uh, to take the team to the playoffs? Uh, it's huge. You know, I think that, you know, that's been our biggest goal throughout the entire season is being able to get the team to the playoffs because it hasn't been done in a while. And a franchise like this has been so dominant at times. You know, getting us back with a huge first step and then uh, see how much more we can do after that. And then what, uh, since the Olympic break, you guys have gone now 6-2, and two, uh, you know, by far the best uh, stretch of the uh, season, and what what do, you, what do you see different, I guess, happening okay, so there? Okay, real quick, if to go, she's got to go. Where were we? Um, you asked me something about, I don't know. Was it, um, just going on the road and with, like, the, uh... Oh, yeah, I post them to create fiction, too. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, just to see how much more confidence this team has. And, and with the WNBA season, you don't get a lot of time, prep time, before the season starts. So to have that month for a majority of our team to kind of um, recuperate and, and fix some things and, and get better individually and as a team, and, you know, when we came back, it just seemed like... It was, just, it, was, it was something was different. Mentality was different. Mindset was different, and uh, we just rode that wave. And then, uh, probably last question for me. The, uh, so you just went on that road trip, four game road trip. You went three out of four. A lot of this was almost like playoff games because you had to keep winning to get in. Uh, what do you think you can take from that going into these single elimination playoff games? Uh, I think that you know it seems like how many games in a row now it's been we've had our back against the wall and have to fight back like that. And, one game. We've been doing that for five games. Mm -hmm. So now, just really taking it forward. Obviously, finishing these last two regular season games, and then a playoffs. Know that it's one and done, and that's a good thing and a bad thing for us. You know, we have nothing to lose, and you know, go out swinging. Um, but also, you know, we know we're a better team than we were in the first half of the season. So the people who got our number, uh, we like to play them again. Yeah. And then, as I mentioned, I got to talk to Jewel Lloyd after the win against Los Angeles, and you can hear her interview here. Um, but we have, you know, a couple more games before we have to you know, get in the playoff um, you know, strategy. Really, but um, we're excited. It just shows the hard work we've put in the season to get to where we are right now. And six and two since the Olympic break. What's going into that stretch? Confidence. Um, I think everyone on the team is confident in their abilities, confident in our team abilities. Um, and we were just really binding on the defensive end. Um, it just shows we're talking way more. Um, our chemistry, obviously, was, it was good in the beginning, but now it's terrific. And that's something that um, we really take right in. 
how rewarding is it for you in just your second year to be a big part of taking this team to the playoffs? It's pretty awesome. Um, but I have to be credit to my teammates. Um, having the vets that we do on this team has really helped uh, the younger players grow um, you know, way faster than others. And that's something that we can never take for granted. So I have to, be, I have to thank our, our veterans on this team. What can you take from this recent four-game road trip where you guys were able to you know, win three out of four? Um, and a lot of this was kind of like playoff games, right? Because yeah. you had to keep winning to make it. What can you take that in what you're going to have to play on the road in the playoffs for an elimination game? Right. Um, you know, for us, it's, it's obviously huge. We, we won on the road. Um, that's always so hard to, to go into someone else's house and, and to win like we did um, and finish out down the stretch. And so for us, it's it's really, you know, being able to close out games, get to good starts, uh, get a d- d- defensive rhythm. And that's something that we really focused on these last couple of games. It's today that game, I mean, kind of uh, jumped on. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, jumped on pretty big early. Been I mean, good defense this uh, first half there. Kind of what did you like when you saw earlier? We were just motivated. Uh, it definitely helps. We have great fans that come out here and we feed off that energy. Um, but we were motivated. We wanted to execute. We just keep pushing. Uh, we didn't want to you know, step off the gas pedal at all. Well, thank you. Yeah, Thanks, Joel. Congratulations. Thank you. And last but not least, of course, we get to interview Jenny Busek, and that's usually you get a lot of the best information from the coach, and that interview with Jenny is here. So what are you seeing differently in the past eight games since the Olympic break? I mean, you guys are 6-2, and two, playing the best stretch of ball all season long. What are you seeing now that maybe wasn't happening at the beginning of the year? Um, our defense is better. Our rebounding is better. Um... I think we've gained some confidence. You know, I think our players that were here over the break gained some confidence and some uh, resilience. And I think we're, our synergy's grown on both ends of the floor, just our ability to recognize and, and make plays together on both ends of the floor. And then uh, last year, I talked to you at the end of the season, you'd only won the two road games when we talked about the challenge of winning on the road. You know, just past week where you take three out of four on the road, and now I think you have six road wins this season, so tripling that from last season. Um, how proud are you of that fact? And just kind of what have you guys been able to do this year? Yeah, we, we've talked a lot. Um, I mean, last year too, but I think this year it's starting. they're starting to really it's starting to sink in what it takes to win on the road in this league. It's not easy. I mean, we've had years in the WNBA where the best teams in the league are 500 on the road. Um, and so it's a very challenging thing to do, and you've got you've to have a certain mentality and take care of a, a few things, you know, like that I won't go into because I don't want to expose it, but um, <laughs> that we really focus on when we're on the road to give us a chance to have success. And I think they're, they're really starting to understand that. After a couple of years of missing the playoffs, just how satisfying is the stay for the team? I'm really just excited for the, the players. You know, they've worked really hard to put themselves in this position. They've been really excited um, about the playoff race. And, um, you know, I'm excited for Sue. For her, it's been, you know, since 2012. And um, with her making the commitment to us to retire here, you know, I was really hoping that we'd before she retired, we'd end up in big games with her again, and that she would have a lot more big games left in her career here. And so I'm really in particularly excited for her that she gets to be a part of a playoff run with us. Pull now at 27 points, I think it was in the first half, what was the biggest key in that? Uh, I think, um, you know, our activity, we, we were pretty energized, and, you know, I, I'm really, 
proud of the team because this is our sixth game in 12 nights in six different cities. And so there, there's no way we didn't have some mental and physical fatigue. There's no way that we, we didn't. But we just didn't even talk about it. We didn't think about it. And they generated energy um, and activity. Um, and, and so that was not a, probably not an easy thing to do. I think the fact that they are really enjoying playing right now and really enjoying playing together is giving us some energy. And I think that our phenomenal crowd tonight gave us um, energy as well. And that was really, that was really helpful. Yeah. Um, so I think the bench only scored six points tonight. Is that obviously the start? I think all five stars scored in double figures, so it's fantastic. Is that going to be a concern, like especially coming into the playoffs? Where, you Our know, bench has been great since the break, and they were great tonight. It doesn't always show up in the numbers, but the fact that we only had one player that played over 30 minutes in an 18-point win tells you they did their job. Um, you know, I think numbers can tell some stories, and sometimes they do, and, but sometimes they don't. Um, you know if our bench has done their job, if I've been able to um, – you know, if I've been able to get our starters minutes down, mm. then they're doing what they need to do. You guys were getting the free throw line a ton, it seemed like, in the first half of the night, 18 of 18. 18, and then none in the second half. <laughs> was that, I mean, did you notice a big difference in how you guys were playing with that ratio, or like, as far as the first half getting there a lot, and then jump out of that time? Anything you want to say, I guess I should say. Yeah, I'm not trying to get fined. Fair enough. Um, it's not uncommon when the, when the foul count is lopsided in the first half that it changes in the second half, and I don't know why that is. Um, but that's not uncommon. So, but I did think we got a little bit more hesitant in the second half. I think they kicked up their defense. Um, I, th I think they were a lot more, they were better defensively in the second half, and we, we had a little bit of extra hesitation in the second half um, that could have contributed that, to that as well. But we found, we found enough of a defensive and offensive rhythm to make the plays that we needed to play to make. Take one more. And also this last week of the season here, I mean, you want to win every game. And how much does it really, like the sixth or seventh or seventh seeding-wise, how much of a factor is that? We're not really, we're not at all worried about where we end up. We just wanted to get in. We feel like if we get in, anything's possible. Um, but we want to be playing our best basketball at the end of the season. Our goal from day one last year when we entered into this process, it was to be our best every day, to get better every day. And that was our goal today to be our best today and to get better today. And we talked about the things that we need to get better at. That will be our goal tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And as long as we, we play and as long as we're here together, that's going to be our goal. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, and that was a big game um, for Seattle. It actually clinched the playoff spot for them uh, because Washington had lost earlier in the day. And so with, with Seattle beating Washington – uh, a couple days prior that gave them the season series against Washington two games to one because they also destroyed Washington on Lauren Jackson's night uh, maybe a month ago or so. July 15th. There you go, July 15th. He has it down. That's good. That was an amazing night, obviously, as all Storm fans will remember. I still remember tearing up actually a little bit during some of those speeches. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I remember that that was a double header for me as a sports fan. Went to the bar near Queen Anne to watch the Seahawks game against the Miami Dolphins where we barely won 
in the fourth quarter, but hey, a win is a win. And yes, it was a heart attack game. I just could not wait to get to the Storm game just because of that. Then got to watch a relaxing blowout against Los Angeles, only to clinch the playoffs. And I can say that I got to see a playoff clinching game. That was only... And then your first season as a season ticket holder. Yeah, all complete. So, what a ride, and what a day that was. I want you to talk about that a little bit. I mean, this is, uh, you know, as you mentioned in the last podcast, you started going to games in 2012, um, but just, you know, a couple games here and there, and uh, obviously you've become a bigger fan and uh, even purchased season ticket for this past season that's ongoing. Um, and so just if you want to talk about your experience, maybe some of the positives, what did you like, either as a fan, either at the arena or even just watching those games, what did you really like? Well, as a first-time season ticket holder, not only was it fun to watch a young, rising team, but also just seeing the fans all together, just cheering for one thing, which is our beloved Seattle Storm, whether it was kids, with myself, diverse amount of people cheering on their storm, night in, night out, like the atmosphere. It kind of felt like going to some those Sonics games because they still had the same bells and whistles that they are doing right now for the Seattle Storm. And going through that, going through that entire season, I dealt with a lot of people making fun of me just for going to the games. And I, this was also the first time in my entire life where I was thought to myself, if you like it so much, don't let other people ruin it for you. If you like it, do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, male-dominated sports, a lot of people really, you know, just give the WNBA or women's basketball um, just like a lot of crap and just, you know, not support it, and it's ridiculous. But, you know, it's good that, like you said, you're making your own choices for you, and, and you enjoy it. It's fun. It's fun entertainment. It's good basketball. It's fun to go out and, and spend time with that crowd, you know, back in Key Arena. As much as we kind of uh, dislike Key Arena at this point for being in such an old, worn-down building, um, you know, it's still fun to be at a basketball game and cheering on your home team. Sometimes I even forgot about the fact that we were at the Key Arena just because of how much I enjoyed that game, or just because how much I enjoyed the games where... I was thinking, oh, I'm just in my own own world for the Seattle Storm. And not only did I get to enjoy it, but I got to share the experiences with my other friends. And they enjoyed it themselves. They told me to take yeah, them again. You brought, what, a couple different friends this year? Yeah, I and... brought my girlfriend and another good friend of mine, Nelson, and Josh as well, who was part of the arena cause, the Soto Seattle Arena, with me. Mm-hmm. So, and, did, uh, and your girlfriend, had she had ever been to a game before? She never did, but... She enjoyed it no matter what, and she doesn't. She's not really much basketball, but going to a storm game still enjoyed it. That's... And and let me share my highest moment there as a storm season ticket holder when I was asked or invited to be a part of that half court shooting contest. <laughs> I remember airballing throughout the entire time until swish, <laughs> and the best part of it was before I made that shot, I put my <laughs> Hands up in the air where players, you know, when they're, you know, like Stephen Curry, when he shoots a three, he keeps his one, his one hand 
up in the air, assuming he's gonna make it. I did that on a half court shot. <laughs> when you're when usually when you're doing like half court shot, you're just heaving it, just hoping it just goes in. But I was, but I think I was full on confident because I remember before that I was thinking. Oh man, I can do this. I do half courts in practice with just my friends. And then once I was invited, I was like, oh, wait, I, I have to prove it in front of thousands of fans. <laughs> okay, we'll see how it goes. Swish. Yeah. No, that was an awesome experience uh, for you, for sure. Uh, now, if there's any like, obviously, you kind of, we talked a little, we touched on the negatives a little bit as far as friends on Facebook or just friends in general might kind of mock you or something for for enjoying the storm and and going to their games and stuff like that, which is unfortunate. And we're hoping to change that in time, for sure. But besides that, like, is there any kind of um, either not necessarily complaint but maybe something that you didn't enjoy at the games or and that can be kind of twofold right that could be uh i mean you can talk about i guess on the court and what you're seeing if you think you know there's something that either bothered you or you want to see improvement on but also even just the game day experience i mean honestly um the only thing i can just think of is i would like a new home for the seattle storm i mean no disc credit to key arena too much it's just you see all those other wnba teams and they have high class arenas like the sparks they got the staples center indiana they got their stadium new york with madison square garden which is the mecca that that they call it of the nba and i think it's time for the seattle storm to get their new home which would be that arena which would be nice because knowing me i mean when the storm vision no offense, my own 720 pixel TV is unfortunately better than that, and and I do think there needs to be some improvements there, like even like the concessions. As much as as much hard working those people are, I mean, like I said, the only improvement that I really need is just that stadium. That's really about it. Yeah, but overall, you're pretty excited, uh, obviously, for how the season played out. You know, do you think they they played above your expectations? It went above my expectations. Like when I when I bought those season tickets, I I just came in with an open mind, just like I did in 2012 when everything was like eye candy. It was like eye candy all over again. This time with going to more games, and I loved it so much that I tried so hard to clear my schedule from work, two jobs, <laughs> just to try to go to these games, and I was able to go to most of them. That's awesome. And you're going to be a season ticket holder for next season as well? Yep, already making payments. Looking forward to next season. Let's do it. Go Storm! Alright. So going back to the their final four games that they played this season that we're covering, um, obviously, you know, unfortunately they took a pretty bad stumble down in Phoenix. And this was after winning five of their past six games. And uh, they ended up uh, going down to Phoenix. It was Penny Taylor's uh, retirement party. And this, you know, I think this was pretty reminiscent of LJ's retirement party when Seattle destroyed Washington. And they, and it was basically the same thing. Seattle was just 
you know they just looked lost. Yeah, they were from the get go. I think they were outscored um, by almost twenty points in the first quarter alone. They ended up losing that game, eighty six to sixty two. Uh, Stewie had the the team high of fourteen points, and nine rebounds, but there was no one really had any assists that game. Um, no one was over two assists, which just kind of shows what kind of game that was. And uh, I did talk to the players about that. Um, I talked to Brianna Stewart about that game um, after tonight's game in Chicago, and you can hear that interview here. The game against Phoenix. Was, yeah. Do you just throw that one out? I mean, the, the the past four road games before that, you guys did well, you know, yeah. fantastic. You won three or four before that game. Do you just throw that one out? And, okay. You know, I think that, you know, learn from it. Know that we have to play at a certain pace and a certain level to win, and then other than that, throw it out the window. And just think that, you know, have to, to lose then, then next game. And I also talked to Sue Bird about that game and kind of, you know, how they deal with that and how do they move on from that or do they learn anything or do they just toss that game out? And here was the interview with Sue Bird here. And then, of course, you mentioned kind of the, the game against Phoenix, not yeah. not very good. Uh, what do you take from that? Do you just throw that game out? I think you throw it away. Throw away. I think it, it, it kind of pointed some things out for us, um, the way we need to play. And, and you know, I, I don't think we got overconfident. I think there was just an emotional energy that got spent prior to that game. And then when we made the playoffs, we relaxed a little bit. And it's good. Now we know we can't relax. And, and we again, we know what it feels like from that Phoenix game. And then we know what this fourth quarter feels like. So hopefully we can take this into the next Closing the regular season, Seattle Storm winning that game against the Chicago Sky, 88-75. to But note this, Chicago did play without some of their key players, including Elena Deladon. Who just had surgery on Tuesday. So yeah, and unfortunately, uh, first the Chicago Sky, their best player, the former MVP of the league, Elena Deladon, suffered a thumb injury in a game on September 7th against the Washington Mystics, and she ended up having surgery on that just this past Tuesday. And, you know, it's while they haven't confirmed that she's for sure out for the season, you know, the likelihood, especially because Chicago, even though they got the fourth seed, they are going to have a one single elimination game, and I highly doubt that she'll be back in time for that. Yeah, when you hear the word surgery and those kind of news, it's always unfortunate. So for Elena Deladon, hope wish her for a speedy recovery so she can go back and dominate this league. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's gonna be tough uh, for Chicago in the playoffs without her. Uh, you know, kind of just unfortunate timing. Um, but yeah, like you said, hopefully she recovers quickly and. Uh, I think you were talking about as far as they be, them being without some key players. Uh, so they purposely sat uh, Courtney Vandersloot, who is from Washington, which was probably a little bit sad for her because she played at Gonzaga and she's from this general area. And so I know when I got to interview her last time uh, that – you know she she loves playing in, in Seattle. She loves coming home and doing that. And uh, we actually I do have an interview with her from that game, not this game, but the the previous game. So we'll we'll go ahead and include that right here. Uh, so recently, you, uh, I saw you tweet about uh, how the NBA needs to bring back the Sonics. And um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on kind of growing up in this area and um, if the Sonics had an impact on your life and 
any uh, fond memories that you have of the team? Uh, I mean, I was a huge Sonics fan. We had season tickets when I was growing up. Gary Payton, to this day, is still my favorite basketball player. Um, I can remember, you know, standing in line when I was probably eight for four hours to see Sean Kemp at Sports Authority. So, um, the whole, you know, I loved them. They, it was an amazing environment. Even later days when we had Ray Allen, Richard Lewis, like that era, um, incredible. And that's why I think that the NBA is really missing out with not having a, um, an NBA team in the city. I mean, you can see what the Storm do here. They get a great show out. And, you know, it's just, this is my hometown. I want to be able to have an NBA team. It's really important to me because <laughs> it's like my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on Friday, the Storm retired Lauren Jackson, you know, her jersey and everything, honored her. Uh, just some thoughts on her career. Uh, well, what she did for this city um, was incredible. You know, that's a special player right there. Who, her and Sue, I remember watching them, you know, be obviously being from this area. That 2004 championship, uh, man, they, those two together, just, you know, one of a, one of a kind duo, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm glad that she played her whole career here in Seattle. Um, I didn't actually get the chance to play against her. That would have been really special. But um, you know, she had an amazing career here, um, and she will always be remembered. And is one of the greats. And then, um, so I know, kind of before the season started, I felt like you guys were one of the top projected teams of the East. And then, of course, you guys have kind of struggled, especially earlier on this season. Um, what maybe ha wasn't working earlier on, and then what do you guys kind of need to fix moving forward uh, as we push for the playoffs? Well. You know, I think that happens sometimes in this league is you uh, look like you have everything on paper. Um, but this is a competitive league. Um, if you don't have everything, you know, right, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lose games. And, yeah, we've had our struggles, but we're really confident in what we have in this room. Uh, we're, I think the break will be a good time for us to really, you know, we got two more games that we need to win. Um, after that, though, we'll really go, get back to just the core, what's, what we need to get, improve on. Um, you know, but struggles, it's going to happen. We're still in good shape. We're, we're, we just need to make a run towards the end of the season. And then lastly, just how much fun is it coming back home? Um, you know, obviously having a good game, knocking down all those three-pointers in the first half, especially that crazy one from almost <laughs> half court, and, um, and then obviously coming away with the win. Uh, it's great. Uh, this is always my favorite trip. Um, whenever anybody asks me, that's an easy, easy answer. You know, I just love seeing some of the, you know, old high school or college even. Um, fans and they always have a good crowd even though they're not all cheering for us it's still a fun environment obviously my family gets to see me play so um, you know I've been fortunate the last couple of years to come out of here with the win so okay thank you so much yeah, for no uh, they were also without Cappy Pondexter uh, who is their one of their leading scorers on their team for the stats leaders we got points Brianna Stewart closes it with 18 and 11 rebounds, and let's not also mention congratulations to Brianna Stewart for breaking the all-time single-season record in defensive rebounds, breaking Lisa Leslie's previous record back in 2004. Congratulations, Brianna. That, that is a huge accomplishment. Um, yeah, two, I believe it was 277 uh, that broke the record, 276, tied it. Um, and she got that in tonight's game. You know, I, I didn't actually even realize that she was going for that record. She said it as well. They, they asked her about it after the game, and she said she had 
she had no idea why people were clapping, which was kind of funny. Um, one thing I'll say, though, is I'm actually not surprised for a couple reasons. Um, obviously, she's been a dominant rebounder in this league just in her rookie year. She's number two in the league just behind Tina Charles at over nine rebounds a game. Uh, but if you watch her play throughout the season, you'll notice that she almost never gets offensive rebounds, which is kind of unfortunate because, you know, she's a big, tall, athletic player, gigantic, long, lengthy wingspan, um, You and the Storm have struggled with rebounding. So you would think that she would do a better job of offensive rebounding, but I think one of the big reasons why she doesn't is because of where she's at on the court. And even though she's a big, she's often playing out on the three-point line, out on the wing, or the high post, and so she's not really in good position to get offensive rebounds. And so because of that, she's but she's still second in the entire league, you know, in total rebounds. Um, but most of those obviously were coming on the defensive side. And I think that's a big reason why she set this record. Um, once again, a, you know, and that's not taking anything away from her record or anything like that. It's more just an observation of kind of why and, and some of the how, too. And so, but, you know, it's, I'd love to see her get a little bit more offensive rebounds moving forward, but it's going to have to fit kind of within their scheme. And the way she plays now is she's more uh, away from the the basket and, um, you know, farther out on the perimeter. And so we'll see how that goes moving into year two, but congratulations to Brianna. Way to go. Lisa Leslie had 276 rebounds for Los Angeles in 2004. Brianna Stewart with 277 for Seattle 2000 and Sweet 16. <laughs> 15 years ago in the NBA, Kwame Brown was the number one overall pick. And the 57 games that Kwame Brown had, he only got 198 total rebounds. And Brianna Stewart and just defensive rebounds alone out-rebounded him with 200 and 77. Let that sink in. That's pretty impressive. That's an awesome stat. And that's Brianna Stewart in less than 40 games. Yeah. Uh, and as important as, as Stewie's achievement was in this game, and she did lead the team in scoring and rebounding, but we need to give a lot more credit than just Brianna Stewart. Uh, obviously, she's kind of that you know new face of the franchise, but... This game, you had a lot of players playing really well, and the two that really stand out to me was actually came off the bench. Uh, Tak Ramu Takashiki, she uh, she had a fantastic game. She scored 14 points, and um, a lot of that was very aggressive driving to the basket. Tak's got a very good mid-range shot, you know, probably 15, 17 feet out that she likes to take a lot. And we've seen her take this shot, you know, throughout her two seasons with the Storm. But what she did tonight against Chicago was she was really aggressive. And she, you know, she I think she took maybe one or two outside shots, and then every single time she was getting that ball, she was just driving aggressively to the hoop. And, you know, and this was super impressive. And Talk's really athletic. If you've seen a couple of the videos, she she can actually dunk the basketball and, uh, you know, which is just goes to show her athleticism. And there was a couple plays. I remember one tonight where she drove to the hoop, you know, got hit. She laid it up. She got the and one call. And, uh, you know, just really impressive. And I love to see that aggressiveness side from her. 
and I hope that that continues uh, this season and beyond. And uh, we actually, uh, we talked to talk, and uh, thank you so much for the translator as well, but we, we had a, a short interview with talk after the game, and you can hear that here. Uh, so I want to know about um, aggressively driving to the basket. You did it a lot more in this game. Is that something that the coaches were talking to you about, or is that something you decided to do on your own? And so also in that game, the other big time bench contributor, uh, which is great to see, is Kalina Mosqueda Lewis. And, you know, she's had very much a hit and miss season again. Um, so it's been kind of two, I don't even want to say mediocre seasons. Um, I don't think that's fair to, to label on her. There's a lot of expectations with that number three overall pick. And, you know, I think, I don't know if she's necessarily met them at this point. With that being said, I think this season there has been times where you can see the benefit. The, and, and today's game against Chicago was the, the best sign of that, I feel. Because in it, if you have Kalina and she's supposed to be like one of your top go-to scorers every game, it's going to be really tough for her. She benefits a lot by playing off of other her teammates and so by other players. And so she, you know, whether she's like trailing the play and they can set her up or if she can just come off that screen and get open as like that kind of extra option. And tonight's game was beautiful because they moved the ball around and last season you know Seattle didn't have the benefit of having Brianna Stewart there and being such a dominant scorer and they had Jewel Lloyd as a rookie who was only scoring around 10 points a game last year where this year you know she's 16 17 points a game and and Sue Bird even who you know obviously has been around for a long time but Sue Bird's scoring has gone up quite a bit this season and so you you have all these options and now it's much harder for defenders because they have to focus on those players and even Lanehorn. Lanehorn has played fantastic as well, uh, especially she's had a lot of good scoring games um, and I think she benefits. I think she also, her and Kalina both benefit 
from these other players, obviously Brianna Stewart being the big one and Lloyd uh, with the much improved season, that they're now benefiting from this as well. And so Kalina's getting open and knocking down threes, and that's what she did tonight. She knocked down four of her six three-pointers. And that's, you know, when she's got that going, I mean, and Seattle in general, once they're knocking down their three-pointers, I tweeted this out during the game, like they're so difficult to stop and beat. And like, I think Bird hit a three-pointer and then Kalina hit a three-pointer. And I think at another moment, Kalina hit like two in a row. And every time that that was happening, Seattle started going on this run and all of a sudden they were up eight or they were up 10 or 13. And, you know, it's just so difficult to defend. And so now these, what I hope to see moving into year three for Kalina is just continued more of this type of thing. Like, she doesn't need to be a leading scorer starter in this league, in my eyes. I feel like if she can be, you know, one of these top-end consistent scorers off the bench, um, that that's exactly what they need because they need this. Cons- they need more consistent bench scoring. They have a really strong starting five this year. Their bench, there has been plenty of games this season where their bench is only scoring four points or eight points total and that's ultimately it's not going to get it done and when I talked to Sue Bird in the locker room after this game against Chicago she actually did mention um, something similar and she she talked about how good Minnesota is and a big reason why Minnesota is so good in this league is it's not I mean yes they have all the Olympians and they have such talented players on that team but they have a very deep bench. So when they go to that bench, they're not missing a step. Sometimes they, they even make big runs with that bench squad. And so that's, I think, is going to be a really important thing for Seattle to build on next season. Obviously, we don't want to get too deep into that right now. Um, we're going to have probably a couple more podcasts before we start getting into like what's happening in the 2017 season. But for right now, take a listen to Sue Bird's interview after the Chicago game. Just give you more motivation to want to get back here for another playoff game. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, a lot of people in this room, I know what it's like to be um, in this building playing playoff games, and the energy um, is incredible. And we want nothing more than to take care of business and, and hopefully get some games back here. Just how high is the confidence that you take right now? You know, I think I think it, it took a lot of effort and energy, and, and there was an emotional expense there to, to get to the playoffs. You know, we've had a little bit of a drop off. I think Phoenix was that, and then a little bit in this game, but then finally we kind of broke through. So the best part about the last week is that we know what it's like when we play well, and we know what that feels like, and we know that you know it's 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 going to take concerted effort to play that way. So I don't think the confidence is is, is, is that high, but we are aware of what makes us good. Um, I think the last like 48, 72 hours or so has really shown that to us. And how important is it to have some momentum going into the playoffs, especially with that fourth quarter? Yeah, yeah. I think the fourth quarter obviously couldn't have been any better. You know, um, it was just a weird game up until that point. Just kind of like, I don't, know, I don't think either team was really that amazing. And, and for us, it was it was just great to break through because, like I said, our last game out wasn't, wasn't that great either. And for us, we need to play at, at a high pace. We need to run. We need to get be moving. And so to finally feel that at the end um, was a good a good thing for us. How big is it for your team uh, to get 30 points off the bench between Talk and KML? Yeah, huge, huge. Um, I think there's there's a few things in this league. You know, obviously, assuming you have talent, which let's just say that's a given for most of these teams. 
it's um, staying healthy. Um, it's having, you know, bench scoring and a little bit of luck. That's really what gets you championships in this league because everybody's so good. So for us, knock on wood, that healthy part's been okay. Um, and then when we have our bench play the way they do, it, it really puts us on another level. I mean, look at Minnesota. Minnesota is, is probably the best in the league. They have a great starting group. It's their bench that really separates them. So that can be such such a big plus. And for us tonight, they're the ones that did it. And also while I was in the locker room, I got a chance to talk to Brianna Stewart. Uh, one of the big things in this game against Chicago, for me, I, I was really uh, worried because it happened right in front of me. But uh, she got, I think she came down on another player's ankle or she just rolled her ankle in the second quarter, about midway through the second quarter. And she kind of immediately was kind of squirming on the ground and trying to kind of get up, but she couldn't. And they ran basically like they went down on Seattle had the ball and they went down and they didn't realize she was down. I think they took a shot and then they realized she still hadn't gotten back up. And it was basically a couple plays later. And so they, you know, obviously Seattle took the foul there to stop play. Um, but I wanted to talk to Stewie after, even though she came back and she, she played well, uh, you know, that's always, you know, when your superstar player goes down, um, luckily she did walk off on her own accord. Uh, but it was definitely a, a, a moment of everyone kind of holding their breath in Key Arena, all 12,000 of the fans on, on Sunday here. And so I did talk to Stewie about it, though, after the game, so you can hear that interview here. Hey. So uh, what happened in the second quarter when you went down? Did you roll your ankle? Yeah, I think, I'm not sure if I landed on someone's foot or, like, or something like that, but I just rolled it. And, you know, anytime you roll your ankle, it doesn't feel good right away, but I just... You don't know. Yeah, and so it's, it's I mean, obviously you're icing, but you do that every game. Uh, but the rest of the game, you felt okay and everything Yeah, I felt okay. I think that, you know, it's just a nice little tweak and... And then uh, uh, you guys matched up pretty well with Atlanta. You won two out of the three games. You're going to go there now. Uh, what do you think you guys are going to have to do to win that playoff game? Uh, we're just going to have to play our style of basketball. You know, we want to be as active as possible, run as much as we can, and, and really, you know, push at them. And I think that, you know, playing at their uh, home court is gonna be is gonna be tough for us, but staying in the moment and, and pushing through, uh, playing like we have the second half of the season. And then, uh, how are you looking forward to the challenge of going up against Elizabeth Williams again? Um, it's something we've done all throughout our, our basketball careers. You know, high school, college, now at the professional level, and you know, I'm excited for the success that she's having, and it'll be a lot of fun going up against her. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's a, that's just a scary thought when it's Brianna Stewart. If I was there, I probably probably would have fainted. <laughs> yeah, I was just like I when I saw it, I was just, I mean, it didn't look horrific by any means and I didn't, you know, I didn't catch it fall. I just more saw the aftermath of her tumbling down and and not getting back up. Um obviously very alarm though especially with the playoffs coming up playoffs on the line single elimination game even so it wouldn't even be a thing where if it had been a little bit more you know a little bit of a, a worse ankle sprain um where maybe she was out one game but then she could be back the next game well this next game is do or die it's elimination time in the playoffs and so that was a bit of a concern but after talking to her it looks like she's gonna be good to go which we're all very thankful for all right, and as we wrap up the discussion on the game against Chicago where the Storm won 88-75, to 
the media and myself got to talk to her after the game. And a couple of the things that I want to talk about first and foremost was the impressive performance from the bench. Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis and Tak combined to score 30 points. 30 points? 30 points just between them. The, the entire bench scored 33. But, you know, for them to put that type of points, that, as we mentioned earlier, there's been a lot of t- these games where they the bench, the entire bench has only scored 4 points, 8 points. And, uh, you know, to get 30 points off the bench, like, that's that's what you got to see. And that's, I mean, that's super impressive, and we'd love to see that every game. It's not going to happen every game, but even if you can get to that, you know, 16 to 20 to 25, that's really going to take this team to the next level. Um, but we talked to Jenny about that. We talked to her. I also found it really interesting because um, I coach youth basketball as well, and you know, as a coach, I you know you always like, oh well, what can we take from every game, wins or losses? When I interviewed the players and I kind of talked about the game against Phoenix, and you know, is that game you just throw out? Because that was just you know from the first quarter on, it was pretty much a blowout. And, you know, and they, the players kind of had some mixed responses as far as, oh, yeah, you just throw that out or, well, yeah, you can try to learn something, but you basically just throw it out and move on. But whereas coach, you know, she was more, you know, as I think most coaches would, you know, hey, you try to find everything you can to learn from that game, even even one as bad and as poorly played as the one in Phoenix. And uh, then lastly, I also want to talk to her about the, matchup that they have against Atlanta and what that matchup what you know problems are Atlanta is Atlanta going to pose to them and also what can they do to you know have a successful game and a successful series against the dream because you know the storm did they did play really well against Atlanta this season they won two of the three games and even that third game they were winning almost the entire game until the fourth quarter and I think they got outscored by like 15 in the fourth it was pretty bad, but, um, you know, they they play Atlanta pretty well. It's honestly probably the best first-round matchup that they could have got, and so it's going to be really exciting, but it's more important to hear what Jenny had to say, and so you're going to listen to that interview here. You got a combined 30 points from Talk and KML off the bench. How important is that, not just for this game, but going into the playoffs? Uh, it's, it's really valuable. Um... You know, I think our bench has really helped us a lot since the break. Sometimes it shows up in, in the numbers, sometimes it doesn't as much, but the key number really is um, being able to keep our minutes down um, with some of our other players. That means they're doing what we need them to do. And the more we can keep fresh legs out there, the more we can play the way that we need to play and the way that we um, have success. And then uh, the last game against Phoenix was kind of a stinker, but before that you had won three out of four on the road. Uh, with that Phoenix game, do you just throw that out, or are there still teaching moments there? Uh, I think we, we, we learn, we try to learn from every, everything, and we learned a lot from that game. Um, you know, there was a, a hangover that was inevitable, and that happened to be the game that it hit us. Um, so... You know, keeping things in perspective, I wasn't shocked that we had a flat game um, because we exerted a lot of energy and focus to get into the playoffs ever since the break. Even before the break, we were locking in on some key must-win games. Um, So the the hangover is inevitable. But I think what we learned, um, something we already know, but more solidified and deepened our understanding and our embracing of 
how we need to play to be successful. And if we play that way, uh, we got a good shot in, a, in any game that we play. And if we play any other way, uh, we become mediocre real quick. And so that was, I think, something that we all um, just learned in, on an even deeper level. And then you guys match up pretty well against Atlanta. You won two of three, and the one game you lost, you were actually winning uh, into the fourth quarter, and then I think they outscored you by about 13 or 15. What are you going to have to do to win that series? We have to bring a ton of energy. Um, they play really well in transition. They've got a lot of great athletes, and they put a lot of pressure on the rim. They, they really pound it into the paint, and they get a lot of paint points, whether it be post-ups or drives, cuts. Um, and so we've got to find ways to build walls and keep them out of the paint and then only give them one shot. Their strength is their athleticism um, and their ability to play uh, a really unpredictable style. And, and our strength is, is more um, doing things as a unit with collective synergy and activity. Just how important was this game tonight? Because you, you guys knew that you were going to, to play out anyway. So. Was there a lot on the line or, or? Yeah, I think so because we want to go into the playoffs with a lot of momentum. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a dud in Phoenix and we didn't play the way that we need to play. And so this game was a really good um, calibration game, a priming game, just getting back to the way that we want to play. Um, and we don't, we don't want to take plays off or, or nights off. We don't want that habit. We want a winning mentality and, a, and winning habits. And we've been after that for the last two years. So that doesn't always show up on the scoreboard, but we want to do things every day, every play, every minute, even off the court in a, in a way that builds uh, championship habits. And so um, we want to compete at all times. And uh, it was a, a two-point game heading, in, heading into the fourth. Just what happened there? You know, we still hadn't really um, found our rhythm. You know, we had that inevitable hangover. We're a little bit flat going into Phoenix. To be honest with you, I think there, there was fatigue just from the stretch that we had and the exertion. Um, and so we had to play our way back into our rhythm. We are a very much a rhythm team on both ends of the floor. We're very much a, a synergistic team on both ends of the floor. And, and, uh, and so we just had to, we had to really contend to, to get that rhythm back. And then once we did, you saw the explosion. Uh, with the new format, obviously, you know, single elimination, what's the message to the team from here, from here on out? You know, it doesn't change. It hadn't changed in two years, which is that we're trying to be our best every second of every day and learn from what just happened, but move on from it. And so we're gonna learn as much as we can from this game. Uh, we're gonna keep teaching. We're going to keep absorbing information, and uh, and we're going to go in and we're going to try to do our best every play there. And then when we do that, when we do our thing, when we do our things our way, to the best of our ability, every second of every day, then you know the results they are what they are. But you can walk out of any situation with your head up and no regrets. And that's a goal that I want for my teams is that we have no regrets that whatever happens, we've controlled as much as we can control. And we leave it all out there, and we walk out with our heads high. And with the way you guys have played in the second half, uh, do you, you feel like you guys are playing your best basketball of the season now, heading into the postseason? Oh, I still think, I still think it's ahead of us. Um, 
this team has a, a high ceiling. So we're going to fight and contend to uh, be our best at whatever point this season ends. But I don't know. We won't reach our potential this season. I mean, we're um, – this is a multi-year plan with a, a young team with a high ceiling, and uh, and we want to reach as far a uh, point as we can this season. We want to extend the season as long as possible and get better every second of of the time that we have left together. And then we'll we'll take the momentum from this season and we'll start with that going into the next season and we'll keep building. So our goal is championships here. We'll take two more. All right. Thanks, okay. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Moving on, we will look into the playoffs. And before we do, we will look at the standings, the final standings. Minnesota on top with a number one seed, of course. Number two, the L.A. Sparks. Number three, the New York Liberty. Number four, the Chicago Sky. Number five, Indiana Fever. Six, Atlanta Dream. Number seven, Seattle Storm. And number eight, surprisingly, the Phoenix Mercury. So a couple surprises in those standings. Yeah, obviously, I think one of the biggest surprises was the Phoenix Mercury this season. They, uh, you know, like the ESPN and and the pro picks and stuff like that, they actually had the, I think even the GMs, like apparently all the GMs voted on uh, who would win the championship this year. And, hey, Phoenix is in. They're in the playoffs, so they could win the championship still. Is it likely? Probably not just because of how inconsistent they've been this season. Um, but, you know, they're going to have two games to have single elimination, and who knows? They might, just like Seattle, they might be able to make a run here. Uh, but that was probably the biggest disappointment. Um, the Dream, though, Seattle's opponent uh, at the sixth seed, you know, might be slightly disappointed for them as the season went on because I think, you know, earlier on in the season, they were, I believe, either the second best team or the third best team very early on, like the first probably like 10, the third 10, best team. 10 games of the season or so, and they kind of start dropping off. Um, Which I kind of predicted. Well, yeah, I mean, most people had them, I think I had them. As the 11th team, I had San Antonio as 12, uh, which they were, so I got that right. Yay. And then we had, uh, I had, I think, Atlanta as the 11th seed predicted, and I think I picked the Storm actually as the 10th seed. Boo. I picked them as 9th. <laughs> so, you know, that, but that just goes to show that they they had a really successful season. Um that, you know, they're in the playoffs, and, and, you know, just like the Storm, they're going to have an opportunity here uh, to, you know, play a single elimination game, and the best team will go on and move forward. The uh, Obviously, you mentioned the top four teams. That's Minnesota, that's L.A., that's New York, and Chicago. And those four teams will have buys. They will not play in the first round of the playoffs at all. The top two teams, Minnesota and L.A., will not play in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Isn't that nice how the playoffs was set up for them? Best two teams just get to chill or practice as much as they could until the semifinals. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an interesting thing. This is the first time the WNBA has, has changed this playoff format. Um, before, you know, you used to have three-game series and then f- a five-game series for the finals. Now you have two rounds of single elimination, a third round, which is now five games, used to be just three, and and then the finals, which is five games, which also used to be three back when Seattle won their very first WNBA championship, but was changed to five uh, 
in between their first and second. You know, I really did miss those days where the number one seed still had to fight for it because I've always liked the prospect of seeing the last seed beat the first seed. I mean, who doesn't like to see that? But <laughs> Well, you could still see that. You could, just not in the first you, round. No, not in the first round, but you could still see a Phoenix team or a Storm team as a seven or eight seed uh, go in. And I mean, are they likely to beat Minnesota? No, probably not. But you never know, right? That's why they play. And so we'll, we'll find out. Um, but it's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting. I think, you know, the single elimination, I almost wonder if this benefits, um, I don't know if I should say benefits, but like players like Stewie and Jewel that were playing, you know, just recently in college, obviously Jewel has had the two seasons now in the WNBA, but they're playing in the NCAA tournament, March Madness, right? And that's single elimination for all of that. So they're kind of used to playing that, whereas... You know, maybe players, veteran players like Sue Bird, she's always played her playoffs in series, and so it's going to be a little bit different for her. But for Stewie, it's actually going to be basically what she's used to as far as in college for the first two rounds. So, yeah, speaking of the playoffs, let's go to the matchups. So the first round, we got the Atlanta Dream hosting our beloved Seattle Storm, 6-7. and seven. And then the Indiana Fever at number 5, will host against the number 8 Phoenix Mercury. So let's go into the Seattle Storm game and the Dream. Now the last three games that we did play Atlanta, let me go over the scores real quickly. The first game we played against the Seattle Storm was a nail-biter against the Atlanta Dream. 84-81 to victory with that Brianna Stewart 38 points and that and one go-ahead winner. Boy, that was exciting. That was her career high, too. 38 points or something else. I believe I could be wrong on this. We'd have to check the statisticians. Maybe we'll do a follow-up and see if I'm wrong on this. Um, but I believe that was the um, single-season high for the WNBA this season. I think NECA might have tied it. It was one other player, I think, might have tied it. But I don't think any player got 40 points this season. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'm looking like a fool. Now, the second game. It was on July 5th at Atlanta. We lost 64-77 to on the road. Yeah, and that's the one where they got outscored. I think they had a two-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and they had actually been leading pretty much the whole game. Not by a much, uh, but they had that lead. And then they got outscored by like 15 points in the fourth quarter. So yeah. they, we cannot see that. Whatever they did, I hope they do watch the film on that one. See what happened in that game. See what went wrong. They're going to have to correct whatever mistakes they made on that one because they cannot, they cannot afford. In a single elimination game, they've had some of these uh, this season. A lot of them were earlier in the year. You'll see, especially like post-Olympic break, they didn't really have many of these. But earlier in the season, they had some quarters where it's like, oh, they only scored eight points. They only scored 12 points in the entire quarter. They can't afford to have a quarter in this game against Atlanta where they get outscored, let's say, 25 to 10. That's not going to happen. They'll be sent packing. It'll be one and done, and that's not what we want to see. So hopefully they're able to bring it strong for all four quarters in this game against Atlanta. And then finally, September 4th, at Atlanta again, we won, this time, 
91 to 82, where Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart shared the points leading with 23 points. Yeah, Sue Bird went off on that game. That was her best offensive um, performance of the season. And, you know, Sue, it's funny, as great of a player as Sue Bird, and she is one of the greatest of all time, uh, you know, she does not score 20-plus points a game. That's just not her game. It's never been her game. Um, so, yeah, for that game where she was just knocking all those mid-range jumpers and just hitting all her shots. So what, do you, what do you think about the other matchup, the one that we all obviously have a little bit less uh, skin in the game for? You got Phoenix heading to Indiana. Um, Tamika Catchings, one of the greatest players of all time. I believe she's still has the record for most uh, All-Star nominations. And um, obviously, you know, just a fantastic player. This is her last season. Last year, the Indiana Fever actually made it to the WNBA Finals, and they took, uh, they upset New York, uh, who had the best record in the league last season. They upset them to make it to the WNBA Finals, and they took Minnesota, who is pretty much by far the best team in the league, and they took them to five games uh, and I believe one of those wins, Maya Moore had to hit a butt crazy buzzer beater to win that series. So Indiana, obviously not as good this year. They're slotted at the fifth seed, but it's Tamika Ketching's last potential game ever in the WNBA. Is Phoenix, though, who has all the talent in the world. Brittany Griner, Diana Taurasi, Candice Dupree. Penny Taylor, you know, uh, Dewana Bonner. You know, you almost forget about Dewana Bonner now but i mean last season she was one of the best players and so let's see you know who do you like in that matchup i'm gonna go with phoenix because although they did struggle throughout the regular season you just have to think that they will bring it together when it comes playoff times because sometimes there are teams that just naturally flip the switch and it has happened before example the 98 99 new york knicks coasted throughout that lockout season and made it all the way to the NBA Finals. There have been several NFL teams that coasted throughout the regular season, won the Super Bowl. Now, maybe I'm making these weird connections, but when it comes to Mercury in the playoffs, don't ever count them out when you have a former MVP, Diana Taurasi, Mercury yeah. Griner, one of the dominant players of the WNBA. And never think, count them out. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's really going to come down to... Um, I think a big part of it is going to be Griner, which Griner shows up and how dominant can she be? Because if she dominates and if Tarasi's hitting her shots, they're going to be tough to beat. Obviously, we just saw that in the game against Phoenix and Seattle, where they just—I mean, Seattle is has been rolling the, since the Olympic break. They won seven to ten games, you know, and they went into Phoenix and just got slaughtered. You know, it was it was pretty bad, and so this will be a pretty fascinating matchup. I actually kind of lean towards uh, towards Phoenix as well, um, but you know, there's something about that inconsistency, and just as you know, I think Phoenix really fed off of having the the game against the Storm be Penny Taylor's retirement night. This is put you know potentially Catching's final game in Indiana, so that. Is going to be a huge emotional swing for Indiana, and uh, it's actually going to be a really interesting game. You just have to wonder if Kobe Bryant is going to be there because him and Tamika Catchings were really good friends dating back to their childhood. Yeah, throughout these playoffs, we have 
two other teams coming up potentially the New York Liberty and the Chicago Sky who do you prefer because potentially with the absence of Elena Deladon I think I would like to take Chicago because with her not playing that just takes away the matchup problems that we did have throughout the season with the Sky although we did have that dominating victory against the Liberty I don't see them doing that again knowing that they have a a well-established team, especially with potential MVP in Tina Charles. This is a tough call either way. Unfortunately, Seattle lost season series to both Chicago and New York, uh, but at least they didn't get swept by either team. They won one game, lost two games to each team. I would have to agree with you, Joe, and say that you know, the, they're probably, if Elena Delanon is still out injured, which I expect her, I mean, if she had surgery just a couple days ago, you know, it's. I feel like if it maybe if it was just an brace or whatever, it'd be fine. But if you're actually having a surgery on this thumb, it's unlikely that she's going to play. Assuming she doesn't play, you'd probably take the matchup with a Chicago Sky. You know, their fan base isn't necessarily fantastic in Chicago, and so you know that might be an edge as well. Kind of actually with this Atlanta game, Atlanta. Just in general, Atlanta is kind of known as a terrible sports town. And uh, hopefully that doesn't get thrown back in my face in a couple days here. But, you know, the most of their teams are not. The Atlanta Hawks are not supported well. The Atlanta Falcons are not supported well. The Atlanta Thrashers were definitely not supported well. And they're, they have since moved and relocated. Um, you know, Just the Braves, it seems like. Yeah. And so Atlanta doesn't have great fans. And I'm not saying that Chicago doesn't have good fans in general. But I think the Sky themselves... Um, it's almost a little bit surprising. You'd think they would have a, a larger, more consistent fan base. And uh, so that might be actually a little bit of an edge because I think New York is going to have a lot, you know, and Matt, like you said, Madison Square Garden, that is the Mecca, and that's that's big time. So uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how, if they get that far, and that's going to be the, the goal is to not just beat Atlanta but to also beat that next team in the playoffs so that Seattle actually gets a, at least one home playoff game this year, which would be fantastic. And uh, we're hoping that we see that. They're going to have to win two on the road in order to make that happen. Um, but, you know, they're going to have a good shot, and it'll be interesting and fun to watch. Bottom line, let's just win the championship. Let's go for number three no matter where we are. Just because we're in the seventh seed doesn't mean we don't have the chance. And plus, if we do win a championship... Everyone's going to say, wait, Seattle Storm, 7th seed, with rookie Brianna Stewart, won a championship? It could happen. You never know. You never know. Let's move on to the award debates. We will talk about the four of the following. MVP, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, and Coach of the Year. Yeah, so you got some considerations. You got Neka Gumake is a big one. Tina Charles is another one out of New York. Um, you know, there's Maya Moore, there's Angel McCautry. Brianna Stewart, might as well throw her in there. Although she is, I would say, pretty much a lock for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and that, I think that's the one that's not debatable. A lot of these, could, I think, should be debatable. Um, rookie of the Year is not. She won Rookie of the Month every single time they had Rookie of the Month. Yeah. I mean, this if, season. if you really want to really... If you really want to go in details, the only other contender really was Mariah Jefferson, Brandis' teammate of UConn. She'll be a great 
player for San Antonio going into the future. So back to the MVP, who do you got? going for that award you know so i i've been pretty steadfast on this from the very beginning i do believe it's tina charles she leads the league in scoring and rebounding she's got 21.5 points a game and essentially 10 rebounds and 9.9 rebounds a game but even more so than that what i look at is and you know and this is this has been kind of a hotly contested debate when you have um, Steph Curry and LeBron James, you know, who, like, most valuable player, right? So, Steph Curry, he was the best player on the best team. He won. Was he the most valuable player when they had so much talent on that entire team? A lot of people would argue that LeBron was actually the most valuable player, but he didn't win. So, it's going to depend on how these people vote. Because it, the way I look at it, Tina Charles is the most valuable player to her team. She, like I said, she leads the league in scoring. She leads the league in rebounding. And the talent around her, it, it's not that it's nothing, but when you compare the other potential MVP candidates, you have Agumake, you know, they had a slightly, or they had a, yeah, slightly better record than New York. Uh, but, you know, Tina was able to basically will New York to the third overall seed and, and a first round bye. Yeah, I guess from my, obser- you know, from my observations, I feel like Tina Charles is doing more with less. You know, Maya Mora is talked about as a possible MVP, but she has three other Olympians on her team, you know, as teammates, right, where you know, New York doesn't have that. And so I feel like Tina has done the most and is by far the most valuable player this season. My personal pick is Tina Charles. I know a lot of people might vote for Neka Gumake. And, you know, and it is a debate. Neka's three overall, third overall, I should say, in scoring at 19.7 points per game. Rebounds, she's 9.1. That's also third overall, just behind Tina and Brianna Stewart. Um, but the way, one of the biggest, I think, uh, knocks against Agumake is the fact that Candace Parker, for the first maybe 7, 10, maybe even more than 10 games this season, was actually playing like the MVP candidate. And Candace had a fantastic season as well, to the point where she actually... I don't know if she'll necessarily get any first place MVP votes, but she'll probably be, she'll certainly be in the top 10. She's probably in the top five. So if Candace Parker's right up there and you have that on your team and you essentially have two MVP candidates on the same team, then, well, it's like, can they really be the MVP versus like you have Tina Charles who clearly is doing so much for her team? You know, and so that's why I I think it's Tina. I hope it's Tina, and you know, but it'll be interesting to see. And I think you have a wild card, don't you? Absolutely. And I'm gonna sound like an absolute homer because we are covering the storm mostly, but I'm just gonna throw in Brianna Stewart, rookie for the Seattle Storm, which we know she's gonna win Rookie of the Year. But I do have some points on why she might have a chance to get MVP. Right off the bat, let me go over some statistics. 
Elena Deladon, her 2015 MVP season. 23.4 points per game, 2 blocks, 1 steal, 1.4 assist, 8.4 rebounds. Now for Brianna Stewart, which will be much more convenient to look at because it's only all in one stat. 18.3 points per game, which is slightly less than Elena. 9.3 rebounds, which is a little bit more than Elena. 3.4 assists, so that shows that she's getting her teammates involved. 1.8 blocks per game, still surprised it wasn't two. And 1.1 steals. So it's very comparable. It's a, it's her stat line is it's not identical, but I mean some areas are above, some areas are below. So yeah, I mean she whether she wins the MVP or not, she put up a MVP type stat line. Let's also take a look at the situation Brianna Stewart was getting into. It was a t- a team that won only 10 games last season, missed the playoffs for the last two seasons, haven't made the playoffs since Tina Thompson was on the team. And when she was going into the season, she had a lot of weight on her shoulders, knowing with the winning traditions she had in UConn, you just had, she just, it was kind of the fact that she had to make that kind of adjustment where she wasn't winning as much consistently, just like she did in UConn. And, and just right off the bat, Help the Storm make the playoffs, improving with by six games. And not every number one pick makes that instant impact. And some of those number one picks, like you can name like the Andrew Wiggins out there in the NBA, they don't make that instant impact where they can just basically automatically make the playoffs. And not even LeBron James made the playoffs with his first season as a rookie, as though although he did make that impact. But anyone who, any number one overall pick or a top five pick, that helps their team make the playoffs. They should definitely at least be in the considerations to get the MVP. Yeah, no, I mean, I think like you talked about where her stat line's almost the same as Elena Deladon's from last season where EDD did win the MVP. Um, I think, yeah, if you didn't have Agumake who shot almost 70% from the floor, which is insane. Might as well say almost 70% three-point shooting as well yeah just in general yeah her shooting was so efficient this year uh scoring was fantastic tina charles i mean did it all for her team but especially in 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 points and rebounding and and having less to work with um you know so that's but stewie she she made a huge impact on this team and that's a lot of pressure on her like you said and i mean she's not going to win MVP this year. Is she going to win MVP in her career? I would be shocked if she did not. Absolutely. And just one more argument, just looking at the team as well, they were still trying to figure it out, even with Brianna Stewart in that first half of the season. And amazingly, after the Olympics, it looks like everything was just coming together, going for that late playoff push. Now, I won't be surprised if she doesn't get the MVP and, of course, I will be shocked if she does, but I do think she should at least be in that top three in considerations. Yeah, I don't know if she'll quite make top three. Um, obviously, I'm sure Maya Moore will get a lot because Minnesota finished number one. Um, 
Angel McCautry as well with Atlanta because, as we talked about, I think there was a fair amount of people that did not think Atlanta would make the playoffs this season, and they ended up uh, in the playoffs, and, and they didn't squeak in either. They got a good, solid six seed. So, yeah, that's that's that. We can move on to... Most improved player. And the one I'm just going to say, and I think a lot of people should, Jewel Lloyd. She, I think she barely scored just over 10 points per game last season. And she did struggle just quite a bit until the very end. This season, 16 points per game. Improved her game much. Definitely get her team involved. There are times she did look like the point guard. Absolutely think she should get most improved player. Your thoughts, Jeff? Well, yeah, she. I mean, she's going to be in the running. I, I would be shocked if she's not at least. You know, whether she wins it or, or doesn't, I'd be shocked if she wasn't, like, top three. Um, and Dick Fain in the interview uh, tonight after this game against Chicago, he, he brought that up and he's like, yeah, well, you know, you don't really see – someone who wins rookie of the year then go on and win most improved player because they already were rookie of the year right so they were obviously still very talented in that first season um, but she's made a significant jump um, in her stats and especially in her scoring you know she's had games where she's scored over 30 points a, a cup like two or three times this season which and just some games that she literally took over there was a game not too long ago where I think she had like 10 or 12 points in the fourth quarter alone uh, and really kind of willed that team to victory. And, you know, she, I think, is averaging just under 17 points a game, which is great to see. Um, I was definitely hoping that she would average over 15 this season, and she did. So that's that's fantastic. And she's definitely taking on more of a role as that, you know, it, she's, not, she's not a point guard, but she's taking it into that combo guard role. Um, which is great, and then it just makes her that, and I've talked to her about that in the past, and it just makes her that much more dangerous on the court and being able to just do more for the team. She led the team in assists, uh, not overall for the season, but she did for this past game, and she did in a handful of games this season, and I expect that trend to continue moving forward. Uh, for me, I know I've been very high on Elizabeth Williams, who, interestingly enough, is actually playing for the Atlanta Dream, so we're going to get to see her one more time this season. So, when you look at Elizabeth Williams, last year she got drafted to Connecticut and only played in 21 games, so just, you know a little over half the season. And she's only getting about 12 minutes a game, and she was only scoring three points a game. Uh, she had about one block a game in her rookie season and about three rebounds. Uh, she got traded to Atlanta for the number four overall pick uh, for the 2016 season, which was kind of funny because she was the number four overall pick in the 2015 season. Uh, but in Atlanta, they needed they needed a post player, and they needed and you know they had. Uh, playing time for her, which is something that Connecticut didn't have and didn't give her. Um, she was playing behind Kelsey Bone when Bone was still on Connecticut, and so. But in this season with Atlanta, she played all 34 games. She's actually one of the league leaders in minutes played this season uh, at 35, and you know, and so her stats basically, you know, I guess they in some areas they more than tripled. 
she got, uh, I guess, in scoring, so she went from 3.3 and then up to just a hair under 12 points a game. And, you know, that's a huge jump. And, you know, I know you could argue, well, yeah, her minutes have increased so much, so of course her stats are going way, way up. But it it, it usually doesn't work like that, right? Like, it's if you score 10 points in a game, like Tuck played 17 minutes and scored 14 points in tonight's game against Chicago. If she had played 34 minutes, she's not scoring 28 points in that game. It's just, it you can't generally just double, you know, double the numbers and just assume that they're going to be able to make that big of a jump. But Elizabeth Williams did this season, which is is really impressive on her end. Um, You know, she went from three rebounds a game to eight rebounds a game. And then, uh, you know, the blocks was just under one block a game to almost two and a half a game. Wow. You know, so yeah, she she has had a fantastic uh, season. She's a very talented player. Um, I was really high on her coming out of college more so just because I knew that the storm needed a big and this was obviously this was the year before they got Stewie and and I knew they had the first and third pick so they needed uh they well they needed to take the best player available which was Jewel Lloyd with that third pick I was kind of leaning towards Elizabeth William because I knew they needed us a big talented center and then she didn't do a whole lot in Connecticut, so I was like, oh, you know, I guess that was good that they didn't draft her. But then this season, she's just had such a fantastic year. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe it would have been good if they had picked yeah, her up. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we don't have to look at that pick as we picked uh, cleanup over <laughs> Elizabeth Williams. Hopefully we don't have to feel that. I mean, yeah, you could debate back and forth uh, because the two things that Seattle needs is they need scoring and they needed a post player. They went with scoring with Kalina, and, you know, if she does what she did tonight, that's going to be a fantastic piece that they can have moving forward. She had 16 points in 16 minutes off the bench. You would take that in a heartbeat every single day. That'd be a fantastic bench player for you uh, moving forward. But, you know, moving back to what the topic is, which is most improved player, you know, I, I expect it to be Elizabeth Williams. But we will find out, and it'll be interesting debate to see. Yeah, absolutely. And you do make good points about Elizabeth Williams. Uh, just didn't even think about that. But man, three to eight rebounds and doubling her blocks. Wow, that might make me change my mind. But I won't. I won't. So let's go to Coach of the Year. I am gonna throw in Michael Cooper, former Los Angeles Lakers player with Magic Johnson, and also former multi-champion Los Angeles Sparks coach, now the coach for the Atlanta Dream. Now why? Because the beginning of that season, Atlanta was expected to be one of the bottom teams of the WNBA. He proved everyone wrong. He used whatever he had. Apparently helped Elizabeth Williams double her numbers and helped keep that team together and getting off that fast start was really important. So I think when you put all those together, Michael Cooper, I mean, knowing his experience with the WNBA, and the NBA, of course, and what he did this season, I'll give it to Michael Cooper. What do you got, Jeff? I think, I, you know what, I actually, I don't know if Storm fans will like this or not like this, but I think I'd probably lean towards Brian Agler uh, of the Los Angeles Sparks. 
Trading Agler. That's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the Sparks, fantastic season overall. They they did stumble a bit uh, at the end of this regular season, but they start out of the gate 20-1. and one. You know, just really incredible. Uh, they finished the season in second place just behind Minnesota. They're going to get, uh, you know, a first and second round by. They're 26 and eight this season. Last year, um, they were only 14 and 20. Now, yes, we know Candace Parker missed a lot of last season, um, so that plays a big role, but that's still a gigantic, you know, leap forward in, in as far as standings and stuff. A, a, 12, a 12 game increase is incredible. And per season, especially when we're talking only 34 games uh, total for the entire season. I mean, this the Storm, and you could even give, you know, I don't think Jenny Busek will necessarily win Coach of the Year, uh, but she might get some votes for sure because, you know, the Storm went from a 10-win team to a 16-win team and a playoff team. And I think a lot of people didn't expect that, just like you're talking about with Atlanta. I think a lot of people didn't really think Atlanta was going to be in the playoffs. And, you know, they surprised a lot of people. I think Seattle surprised a lot of people. I think a lot of people didn't think Seattle would make the playoffs until next year. And, you know, for them to to increase from 10 to 16, you know, is really impressive. But for Agler to take that team and and go from 14 to 26, uh, he's got my bid for coach of the year. So, yeah, um, let me actually give you some interesting numbers. We were mentioning the. I actually did make some calculations. With the Spark winning 14 games, that is the equivalent of 33 games in the NBA. That'd be 33 and 49. Now, with that improvement, jumping up to a 76% win winning percentage. Now, jumping to 76% of winning percentage, that is 62 wins in the NBA. So that is quite the jump. Yeah, that's like I said, Agler has done. A really great job with LA. I'm I'm fascinated to see. I mean, they they're I think they're really fortunate that they played so well that they don't have a single elimination game because they've been playing hit and miss for the past like ten games or so. Um, but I I'm I'm very curious to see if they are able to turn it back into that team that went twenty and one to start the year. Can they give Minnesota, you know, a real run for their money? Um, assuming they even make it to the finals and make it through the semifinals, you know, but that that's going to be really fascinating for me to see because I think Minnesota is just rolling, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if LA can just flip the switch and get back to how they were for you know what three fourths of the season. So that is probably going to wrap it up. If you have been tuning in this whole time, we really do appreciate it. We had a few people reach out to us on. <clears throat> on Twitter, on SoundCloud, and uh, Facebook and Facebook as well. You know, just very supportive of this podcast. We really do appreciate it. We are doing it for you guys. We're doing it. I think, you know, obviously we talked about it as far as a mission statement last time was we really just want to give more coverage to the WNBA, but specifically the Seattle Storm because that's our team. That's the team we follow. That's the team that's in our city. And uh, they're fantastic athletes, and we believe that they deserve more media coverage than they are currently getting. So we're hoping to kind of help fill that void a little bit. Um, but we 
really appreciate everyone that's reached out to us and we hope that you stick with us obviously as the season's coming to an end there's probably you know not going to be too many more podcasts right now we but we guarantee to have at least one or two more this season and hopefully as long as the storm keep playing we'll have you know maybe we'll be able to do a couple more just for this season specifically and then moving forward, I think the 2017 season is going to be really, we're going to hit this full go from the very beginning all the way to the end. And um, so we hope you enjoy it and, you know, tell all your friends, uh, Twitter handles at C storm chasers, S E A storm chasers is the Twitter handle for the storm account. Uh, my personal account is at Jome 20. And I am Sonics Joe. At Sonics Joe on Twitter. You can reach out to us. You can follow us. Um, but yeah, we want to interact with people. We want to interact with the fans. And, uh, you know, tell us what you like, what you don't like. And uh, we hope to entertain you guys. We hope to give a lot of respect to these fantastic athletes and give them the attention they deserve. And thanks for listening. And for Wednesday, go Storm! Yeah, here, here's hoping that the next podcast we're talking about a playoff victory in Atlanta. And also, once again, stay tuned for the bloopers. Were there bloopers this time? Oh yes, come on, there were. Oh, come on. As we wrap up the Chicago game here with the win, um, we got to I got to talk to Jenny Busek after the game, uh, as well as the other media that's there. And a couple of the questions that I got to ask her about was, one, obviously, the impressive bench play. Um, you know, Talk and Kalina combined to score 30 points. Oh, I thought you were going to go, 30 points? Oh, yeah. Well, restart. Restart. I'm an restart. idiot. I was, okay. I was just too busy looking at Jenny Busek liking my tweet. Okay, hold on. Let me get some water here. Now, the last three games that we did play Atlanta, let me go over the scores real quickly. It was the... F- Stop it. You're distracting me. Sorry. Yes. And plus, I have this under control. No, I, just, I just thought it was funny because you're like, let me go really quickly. I know. <laughs> it, was, it was super delayed. That could be a blooper. We could do that. We could do a blooper. We can. Yeah. Let me go ahead and verify that for you. And, oh, Jeff, you are definitely putting me... And much more work than I was expecting. We don't have to have all this. Maybe we should just skip that. Sure. Yeah, skip. It's too much work. Or we can say that just a career high or whatever. Yeah, just say career high. So, I mean, we didn't really screw up anything on that one. Still recording. Okay, I was just checking. But we have been recording for almost an hour. I'm not surprised by that. No, because we, we goofed up so much. Not that much, actually. Yeah. We've been pretty strong this... Now, Jeff, let's go ahead and go... Actually, sorry. Uh, the second game. Yeah, definitely hey. more of that Steve Nash kind of game. <laughs> um, yep, that's it. Oh, then we're going to go to expectations. So... What is that? Part of the... Uh... Yeah, that's going to that's gonna be part of it. It was expectations for what? Was I right about the Steve Nash thing? No. I'm not? I don't think so. I don't know. I'll just throw it in there anyway. Just Don't do it. I, I have to because I kind of interrupted. Oh, boy. Um, 
Well, yeah, because oh, Steve Nash it. wasn't really much of a 20-point scorer. He was more about the no, assist. But didn't he, no, he scored a ton of points in his MVP years. He was putting up big-time points. Good, but then past, going past his prime, he started to distribute more. What about... Uh, you want to start over on that? I messed up on that. No, I don't want to start. Okay, just, fine. Just edit it out if you I'll have to. I'll edit the crap out of it out. So let's go back to the matchups. You know, either matchup's going to be tough. I think you're probably right. I think with the Deladon out, you probably prefer to play Chicago, even though most recently they absolutely destroyed New York in New York. Um, you know, New York beat Seattle uh, twice this season, and so did Chicago. So it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be if they're – and, you know, there's no guarantee that they get past Atlanta. Obviously, we hope they do, and uh, we're rooting for them. But to see, you know, this matchup between New York and Chicago, I think without Atlanta Deladon, they probably have a better chance. Um, also, Chicago's, I, I feel like their home crowd is not fantastic, whereas I think New York, it would be a little bit bigger, brighter, and uh, that would be a really tough one. But, you know... You know, the losses to New York were all close, too. So it's, you know, I feel like it's hit or miss. And, and let's... I did the lip smacking and everything. That's a blooper. Um, not even worth a blooper. Not even? Okay. Not even. It's not, the thing is, bloopers have to be funny. That was like... That's true. I like your points, Jeff. Although, Tino Charles, you do make great points. Sorry. <laughs> so many bloopings. <laughs> now, just going off the bat on statistics, last year's MVP, Elena Deladon. Let me go over the important stats. Points per game, 23.4. Blocks, 2. Steals, 1. Assist, 1.4. And rebounds, 8.4. Now, let me go over to Brianna's numbers. And they'll be easy to look at this time because it's only all in one stats because it was only one season. Points per game, 18.3. That's slightly less than Elena Deladon. But rebounds, 9.3, which is more than what Elena had. And also 3.4 assists per game. 1.8 blocks, which is pretty much close to Elena. If I said two blocks per game, let me check that. Yes, it was. Let me start over. Yes. Blooping. <laughs> you can't say this is why I said let me check. Fine. You gotta be more confident like you, you've already known. In the worst stats. case scenario, just edit out. 